You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in. It's a weekend edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack. How are you? Eric Tangrady joins momentarily. We'll talk to Ray Ferraro of the NHL on ESPN as well as the Pens have a big weekend on tap, including a game that Ray will be covering against the Boston Bruins. You got to say it, as I mentioned the other day, when you say Boston Bruins, like Bob Airy says Bruins, you got to say Bruins, B-R-O-O-N-S. So the Pens take on the Bruins and the hated Philadelphia Flyers on Sunday. A big weekend of action. But let's first look back at a game Thursday night against the Nashville Predators that was played just the way you want games to be played this time of year. Before we do that, be sure that if you are listening in your Odyssey app, you go up in the upper right-hand corner there and you tap the little thing, should look like three little dots i would think if you haven't done it yet and it'll say follow bang follow this podcast and then as soon as new episodes are available to you you will be notified also if you get it any other way any other way you may get your podcast follow the podcast be sure to leave a rating or a review whether you're inside your odyssey app itunes google play spotify whatever it may be leave a rating and a review we appreciate it tell everyone how much you love fifth avenue face off and, of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. Uh, search 93.7 The Fan, and our episodes are right there with all the other video content from 93.7 The Fan. You can tap the little notification bell there as well. And every time there's a new video from 93.7 The Fan, including Fifth Avenue Face-Off episodes, you will be notified. Uh, man, it would be nice if you could do that with the Penguins. Just, bing, tap a little button, and every time they played a playoff quality style of hockey, you would get a notification. Bing! Ooh, look at this. Turns out they're playing the way they're supposed to play. <gasps> right there on your phone. Wouldn't it be great? Yep, that's what happened Thursday night. You would have gotten one of those notifications. It would have got a bing, and you would have gone, oh, look at that. The first period was exceedingly boring. That's just what we want. It is what you want. If you're Mike Sullivan, if you're a Penguins fan, as this team rapidly approaches the playoffs, uh, look, the pair of power plays they gave Nashville in the first period on Thursday night, not going to work against better teams. Um, The few breakaways or odd man breaks they gave up, not as many as they have given up uh, lately. But the, a couple of those uh, prime scoring opportunities that they gave up to Nashville, not going to work against better teams. Although props to Tristan Jari, right? 
he played a quality game. He gets his first shutout since November, came up with some big saves when they needed him to, which is something we've seen Casey DeSmith struggle to do when he's been given these opportunities. He had an opportunity to do the same Tuesday in Detroit and couldn't. I know, pizza, pizza. Uh, but Tristan Jari was given the opportunity. He's failed in that regard several times since the turn of the calendar to 2023. He did not on Tuesday against the Predators. Given an opportunity to make big saves, Tristan Jari came up with a few big saves, including one on a breakaway, including uh, when the Predators put up a, a good chunk of a fight for a few minutes late in the third period. But really, for the most part, you look at Thursday's win over the Predators and you see the Penguins playing the style of games through the first 30 minutes that may seem boring or dull, but that is just what they need. Play that quality, tight-checking, responsible kind of hockey. Don't try to make too many plays, especially on the back end. Don't over-pinch from the blue line in. And you'll put yourself in a position that when the opportunities offensively do come to you, bang, you take advantage of them, as they did. Um, Jason Zucker continues to be just magic for this team. The guy is always in the right spot, always playing the way you want a guy like Jason Zucker to play in the role that he's serving, playing on Evgeny Malkin's left wing. And how about the setup from Brian Dumoulin? Hansy, downright Hansy from Dumo, who you look at not just the evidence from your eyes and watching him play over the last couple of weeks, but when you follow up and look at some of the, the deeper metrics, the advanced analytics, if you want to call them that, uh, possession stats, he really is playing well. Dumoulin over the last couple of weeks. He's playing like the guy who was Chris Letang's wingman for a couple of Stanley Cup runs. He looked like it again on Thursday night against the Nashville Predators. Again, we sprinkle some salt on all of this by reminding you, and I have to remind myself as well, it's the Nashville Predators without Roman Yossi, okay? And UC Soros did all he could to still stand on his head, but it's just not a very offensively talented team, the Nashville Predators right now. And so you're not going to be able to play that quality of game. The depth lines still didn't have as good a game as they could have had. I don't think anyway. Um, the top two lines played exceedingly well. Uh, but you're, you're not going to be able to play this level, this quality against, um, against better opponents who you're going to start seeing Saturday in the Bruins. And then within the next week, you've also got games against the Devils and the Wild. Those are playoff teams you're going to get to play. And we'll see how the Penguins handle it. But for a night, Thursday night against Nashville, they looked like they could handle it. So props to Zucker, props to Dumoulin, props to Tristan Jari, especially who was the number one star of the night and the Pens for playing a good old fashioned, boring playoff style game. It worked for them in that two, nothing win. I mentioned, we're going to talk to Ray Ferraro of the NHL on ESPN. We're checking with our good buddy, Eric Tangrady as well. See what he thought about the win over Nashville and what's to come against Boston and Philly this weekend. And over the course of the final uh, week and a half of the regular season, as the Penguins uh, sit as of the recording of this podcast on Friday afternoon, just three points behind the Islanders with a game in hand in the final spot of the Eastern Conference playoff race and just one point ahead of the Florida Panthers, who they also have a game in hand on. 
talk to Tango next here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into 5th Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack and 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show with you talking Penguins hockey. And once again, we've managed to nab one of the guys from the NHL on ESPN on their way into town as they get ready to fly here. Last week, it was Sean McDonough. This week, we're lucky enough to be joined by Ray Ferraro, who will be with Sean on the call of Penn's Bruins at PPG Paints Arena on Saturday. Ray, really appreciate you hustling through security at the airport to give us a couple of minutes. Thanks. Uh, no problem. As you know, you you can only hustle as far as the 100 people in front of you. But <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty quick line today, so I got through all right. No, we appreciate it. Thanks again. Um, I don't know how much of Thursday night's game against the Predators you got to saw or got to see, pardon me, from the Penguins. Um, but being there in person watching it, it struck me that we finally got the kind of effort from Mike Sullivan's team that may not be the most fun to watch all the time if you're a casual fan, but that is perfect for the playoffs if you're a team like the Penguins. It was, frankly, if you're a casual fan, boring hockey uneventful hockey but it's perfect for a team like the penguins going into the playoffs it struck me that it may be just the right prescription in that they bottled up granted not an offensively gifted team in the predators but they bottled up their opponent and struck when they had opportunities um that seems like the right style for this team going into the playoffs can they play that way against uh, the bruins uh, or anybody else they might face in the playoffs that that's really a really the million dollar question when you look at the Penguins. I mean, I, I think when we think of the Penguins because of Crosby, because of Malkin and Latang and Jake Gensel, I, you know, I think the first inclination is this is a high scoring team. This is a team that's going to score a lot of goals. It's going to have a really great power play. And none of those things are true about this team. And so you got to be careful of looking at one game. Uh, you know, you mentioned about Nashville. So no Roman Yossi, no Philip Forsberg, no Matt Duchesne. Um, no Ryan Johansson. So I, mm-hmm. I would say probably their four best players weren't in the lineup. So it's easier to bottle that team up. For two periods the week before against Washington, you know, they got a great game from Casey DeSmith, but they played, they played a style that looked really comfortable for them. They were relatively in control of much of the game, yet in five minutes in the third period, the game flipped on them. And all of a sudden it's a scramble. 
and it's that you know that story that's been written many times this year. I, the Penguins are interesting to me because, you know, I, I watched the later game last night, uh, Edmonton and LA and, you know, Stu Skinner made 43 saves in goal for Edmonton and, you know, they, they shut out the Kings. Well, Stu Skinner doesn't have to be the story in Edmonton. He's got to make sure that he doesn't screw up the train, right? Like that's, right. that's what the goalie in Edmonton has to do in Pittsburgh the goalie has to be better than that. Their defense isn't good enough to withstand average or sub-average goaltending. So, you know, I understand the frustration of Tristan Jari and his injury problem this year or problems. He's their best bet. He's, he's a better goaltender than DeSmith. DeSmith can play one out of three games for you. But Jari's got to be the guy. So yeah, the style looked great, but you got to take the opponent into consideration. And and I think you really have to understand that Tristan Jari is incredibly important to that team. Is this an opportunity for him then, Ray, over the next week? Because they've got the game against the Bruins, obviously. They've got the Devils in the wild on the schedule as well. Um, an, An opportunity... Look, they're fighting and scratching and clawing for every point in the standings to stay ahead of Florida at this point, but an opportunity for Jari to assert that he can play that style, I guess. A hundred percent, and they're going to need him. Now, look, for two periods the other night, or last Saturday, uh, Casey DeSmith was the story. He was fabulous, mm-hmm. unreal. He was terrific. Stops Ovechkin on a breakaway, makes a great save on Carlson, lets the Penguins grow a 3 nothing lead. And then two games later, you know, you, you see him having some some problems. Um, with all due respect, because he's one of the probably 60 best goaltenders in the world, um, he's a backup goalie. Right. And that's what they signed him to be, is their backup, you know, to be their B guy to their A guy. The problem is the A guy has not been able to play like that, certainly since the new year when he got hurt. Uh, on January 1st and and came back. It is an opportunity, but it's also, you don't have any time to figure it out. If, if the game Saturday doesn't go well, then Mike Sullivan's in the soup for who do you start against New Jersey the next day? You know, can you, can you, can you play them back to back? Do you have to split them anyway? Like there's so much more that goes into that decision than, you know, like, who you're frustrated with as a media member or a fan. You got to go with the guy that gives you the best chance. Right. Long-term, what are your thoughts on the goalie situation here in Pittsburgh? Because Tristan Jari is a UFA and it's not a particularly uh, impressive crop of young UFA goaltenders. I mean, there's Carter Hart out there. who has been talked about. Um, there, there's just not a lot else out there for them to, to chase. There's been the rumors kicked up again about John Gibson because since he's a Pittsburgh native, but that would require pretty heavy lifting, I think, from Ron Hextall. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was reading last week and, you know, and everybody, the, when I say everybody, the tone of the media was, you got to let Jari go. You just go get someone else. Well, the someone else is who? Right. Because if you don't know who that someone else is, now you've got one goalie that seems to be suboptimal, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to need it. You're going to need at least two. So the, the one thing that has happened here is whatever bargaining chip that Tristan Jari had, he's left it at the table. Like he's right. in, 
you're, he's in no position to, to have leverage going into this July. Now, if he goes into the playoffs and the Pens win around and he's unbelievable and has a great second round, well, then the leverage will switch because it's just not that easy to go and get another player, another goaltender in particular. Gibson's really interesting because I, I think you, you put it mildly saying it's heavy lifting. Like, man, that's <laughs> going to cost you assets. You've mm-hmm. got a clear cap space. Right? Like, how are you going to do that? A- Anaheim's not trying to be a really good team next year, right? Like they're, they're yeah. still in their very base of their rebuild. So you're going to send, I don't know, what's Gibson's cap at six, close to $6 million. Six, right? Yeah. 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 So look around the penguins. Do you see an extra $6 million sitting there? I don't. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, that's who are you going to ship their way that they can immediately make, make use of as well. Their most immediate need is draft picks. Um, so we know Ron Hextall is not interested in dealing, especially high-level draft picks. You know what, Chris? I, I I have this view or thought, I guess, is that the the Penguins right now are like 2015 Detroit. Yeah. Such a great you analogy. Know, 25, 25 straight years in the playoffs, haven't mm-hmm. made the playoffs since. Like when when the ball turns over here, you're not just going to replace Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin or Chris Letang. Like, how are you going to replace that? How are the Red Wings going to replace Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg and Nick, Nick Lidstrom? The answer is you can't and you don't. You don't. Yeah. And then great. You get your, you get your draft picks and then you wait and you hope and you hope that some of those draft picks hit because it's, you know, you're, you draft a kid, he's an amazing prospect. Great, he's 18. How right. many 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds make a, a legitimate impact? The answer is not very many. They're in a tough spot, and that's why I – like, their chance to rebuild completely was last summer uh, with, with the Latang and Malkin contracts at the end. But whether right. that comes from Ron Hextall or comes from ownership or a combination of both, it's not that easy just to walk away and then what you have nothing. You don't have draft picks for them. You just lose them. Then what? Yeah. And it, it strikes me. You talk about the comparison to the 2015 Red Wings because and it's, I had the exact same thought earlier this week, Ray, and went back and checked. And I didn't realize that Henrik Zetterberg didn't win a playoff series. I don't believe for the final seven or eight years of his career. <laughs> And we are now in what would be, if the Penguins don't win a round of the playoffs this year, a fifth consecutive year for Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Christopher Letang. And you realize that when we've been waiting for the cliff all this time and the, the drop-off, we may actually be in the middle of it. <laughs> and we, we don't even realize it. And that's what you're saying, essentially, is there's no easy way to rebuild. And when you do rebuild, you don't realize you're in the crux of it until you're already halfway through, essentially. And then you end up like the Red Wings, and you bring the guys in. You get the Larkins, in some cases, or the Bertuzzi's. But then, in some cases, you're shuffling some of those pieces out. Again, i.e. Bertuzzi, who we'll see on Saturday. But it's it's not as cut and dried and easy as I think a lot of us wish it, it, it we, we could make it out to be. It's so different than the NFL when you're drafting 22-year-old players and – for example, the Steelers draft a left tackle in April. He's starting for them. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they certainly hope, or he's that <laughs> close to starting for him right away. You draft an 18-year-old kid, you shake his hand, and you say, our development team will be in touch. And yeah. then he goes back to junior, or he goes to college. And it's a couple of years before physically they can mature to even compete because they're 18-year-old kids. Then they get there, and they're not even close to the player that you hope they're going to be. Right? Like, so... I I think management always knows they're in the middle, but if you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and, and let's say ownership says to you, okay, Chris, you're the GM, you're going to rebuild and you've got these three guys. How are you going to be bad enough to get to the top of the draft? You're not, (laughs) you're going to be in the 20th draft pick again. And then they're still going to be there next year. So you, you try to stay relevant. You try to make the moves you can to stay as competitive as you can. But a rebuild, it sounds awesome. Lots of things sound great in theory. Right. So you put them into practice. Buffalo's 10 or 11 years. Yeah. They, you know, Rasmus Dahlin's a first overall pick. They made a trade and hit a grand slam with Tage Thompson. Owen Powers, a number one pick. Oh, they're waiting for those guys. I mean, Dahlin is four years in. And he's just getting to the point where you go, that kid's a star. Like they're, but the there's still in Pittsburgh. The yeah. people in Pittsburgh are spoiled. We are the Penguins. They we really are. are. Like I used to play against them when you know they used to just run rough shot over everybody. Well, they drafted Mario at one. They drafted they a, a stroke of incredible luck. They get Yager at five. They make the trade for Ronnie Francis they're running out a power play of five hall of famers. Right. Oh, and then Mario gets older and he's got to retire. Oh, and hello, here's Sidney Crosby. You're right. We've been a, to do that. We're, no, I say it all the time. It's, it's a good, it's, we've been spoiled. It's a, in a good way. We've, we've been for yeah. the last 40 years, we've had one of the top three or you could say five players in the world on our roster at any single one time outside of maybe a three-year window. We've been incredibly lucky. Let's bring it back to this weekend for just a second. And with the Bruins coming to town, does this team have a soft spot, Ray? I mean, I don't see it. And I don't know if I see a team in the East that if there is a soft spot there that maybe you can identify a team that's equipped to expose it. The only soft spot I see is uh, their top two centers are 37 years old. And, but terrific players and the way the Bruins are built, they don't need to be a legit number one center and get 95 points. Like I think as a team, as a 25 or 23 man roster, the Bruins are perfectly constructed. They don't, they don't need Patrice Bergeron to play 25 minutes a game or 23 minutes a game. They don't need David Krejci to play 20 minutes. They need those guys to function in the space that they're able to as a 37 year old player you know Bergeron plays with Marshan those two have been tied at the hip for since they you know since they came into the league and they've got a brilliant player and 53 goal scorer David Pasternak who plays with Krejci most of the time Uh, their defense is exceptional and deep and they've got the best goaltending in the league you know in in Lena Sulmark and Jeremy Swayman so gee I you ask the weak spot yeah it's their two guys are older at the, in the middle, two months is a long time for them to be healthy. And that's, that's really the, that's the weak spot I identify, but 
I'd, I'd take that's, my chances with that. Yeah, that's not much of one either. Um, <laughs> before we get, before I let you run, I just want to touch on a couple things from around the league, Ray, um, because it, you know there are things being talked about now that the NHLPA has a new president in place yep. and Marty Walsh. Um, what I've heard from the reporting of Chris Johnston and Pierre LeBrun north of the border is that he's trying to get player feedback on the playoff format. As fans, we've argued about this a lot over the last five years or so, but how do players feel about the current playoff format and your conversations with them and whether they'd like to go back to the one through eight? Well, I, when you're playing, I don't think you really think mm-hmm. uh, about theor- theory, um, about hypotheticals. What if we changed it to this? I don't, I don't think it's a general topic really for the people that I talk to, you know, what is a topic from the players that I've talked to and in particular, but also more than a couple of managers is why is the playoffs not expanded? Hmm. Why, why every, every sport, every other sport has expanded the playoffs. When I was playing, there were 21 teams. We used to joke. It was the original 21, (laughs) you know, it's the original six, but we called it the original 21, 16 teams made the playoffs. Right. Today, there's 32 teams and 16 teams make the playoffs. My son plays in Germany. And so they have one league. It's, it's, uh, is it 18 teams? 18 teams. So if you imagine each conference as its own league, mm-hmm. so you have 16 teams, you have the division still. The top seeds in each division get the one and two seeds. Teams three through six get seeded. Division doesn't matter in points. Teams seven through 10 play a two out of three playoff series to become the seventh and eighth seed. Then you play one eight. So here's what happens. Teams in three through six are fighting to get the division win. They want to be right number one and two so they can have home ice advantage all the way through the playoffs. The teams that are in the seven and 10, they're fighting to get into the three and three to six. So they miss that opening series. The teams that are 11 and 12, they're fighting to get into the seven and 10. There's three playoff races going on at the same time in each conference. I'm telling you, it is awesome. You can't even keep your focus as to who's advancing where it's so great. I don't know why the league doesn't take a, a deeper look at it. Especially when you've had a situation like in the Atlantic this year where it feels like Toronto and Tampa have known they're bound to face each other for two months now. And there's, you know, sure, Tampa wants to get things right and get moved in the right direction. And you can argue about home ice to an extent. But in that series, does that does home ice matter that much? You know, no, but I think I, I do think that's the one everybody points at. I do think we have to look in a bigger picture. Let's say the season ends today, which it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Rangers play Devils. When's the last time that happened? I don't know. It would Not be often Edmonton enough, yeah. And, uh, Edmonton and L.A., they would renew a, uh, a playoff series from last year. Um, you know, Seattle's going to be in the playoffs for the first time. There's a lot of series that we haven't seen before. But I don't think I – I think there's an easy way to generate more interest, which is more revenue – which is a better share for the players and the owners I, by going to a system somewhat that I talked about. I don't no, understand I, I, why it's, it's, not a, it's not, you know, further, further investigated. Maybe it is being, but I'd like to see it implemented. 
Let me ask you how much you'd like to see. You know, we all heard Connor McDavid a couple weeks ago talk about how players were were seeing the impact of the WBC mm-hmm. in baseball. And it sounds like negotiations continue. Oh, it was was phenomenal. Uh, Down to the final at-bat of the thing, right? Otani and Trout. Um, It sounds like things are continuing to slowly progress for a February 2025 World Cup of Hockey. Um, But it's hard to get it planned, given the situation with Russian players that they're in. Um, I know that international hockey is, outside of the Stanley Cup playoffs, for my money, the best version of hockey. Um, I remember the last version of the World Cup. It was phenomenal. It had fans plugged in in the month of August of all times, right? Um, How do you feel about how this can get done, knowing what the uphill battles may be in getting it done? Well, anything that's worth anything, there's obstacles and potholes all over the place. And you have to slowly just chip away at what the real obstacles are. I believe the work to be done involves the time of the tournament, the framework of the tournament, insurance, uh, who owns the rights, where does the money go? All that stuff has to be chipped away at. And that's before you get to something you have no control over. And that's the world politic influence. And that's of course the Russian players, but, I don't know anybody, like literally, I haven't talked to anybody that says the World Cup's a bad idea. I do hear it's going to be pretty hard to put together. Yeah, so what? Lots of things that are really hard to put together finally get put together. Nothing worth doing is ever done easily, right? No, it never is. It never is. If it is, my my wedge game would be way better. (laughs) It would be way better. And so I, I want it. I want to see it. I think the players want to see it. I would love to watch it happen before Sidney Crosby gets yeah. too old. Now, okay, I'm a Canadian. I was in the building in 2010 when Sid scored in overtime. I've never heard an explosion inside a building like that. I mean, and it's... Yes, it was Canada. Yes, it was at home. But it was international hockey. Exactly. And it was the very best of the very best. And I broadcast a lot of that tournament. I'm telling you, you could feel it, how much it meant to the players. And not just in Canada, in the US, but I'm talking the European guys too. They love it. They play for, they're playing for their country means so much to them. I I think it comes right best. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you get high stakes, best on best hockey, you've got a prescription for just an absolutely amazing competitive environment. Um, Before I let you run, I got to ask you, because look, I'm not trying to to age either one of us, but I came of age as a guy, like I think back to my college days when we would stay up late, we would, we would, we would maybe skate because a bunch of my buddies worked at the rink at Penn State and we would skate and then we'd stop, we'd grab some food on the way home and we'd sit there, we'd play NHL on the Nintendo 64 and then we'd watch NHL tonight, right? And in high school and college, that was you, that was Bucci. That was Barry. That is the pinnacle in, in, in the minds of people of a certain age of NHL tonight. No knock on anybody else or the point or what Bucci's doing now or what anybody at ESPN is doing or any other network for that matter. But do you ever take a step back, especially when somebody calls you chicken parm for the 739th <laughs> time? Do you ever take a step back and allow yourself to sort of bathe in the significance that that has in the minds of hockey fans of a certain age, that, that era of NHL tonight? 
Not that per se, but what I do, when I do think of it and when we do talk about it, I think, you know, like I was playing still, like I was, I was in the league right? and I get this opportunity from a man who just passed away. His name is Barry Sachs and Barry was a big Ranger fan and he knew me from the Islanders and the Rangers. I got traded to LA and he called my agent and said, Hey, would Ray like to try being on TV? And so I come in with Bucci and Barry and, you know, just incredible people to work with. And, you know, Barry was, you know, he had this big New York accent and he'd be like, Oh, sugar Ray, what do you think of the Rangers? And he just <laughs> loved it. Right. And, and so I, I think of that with incredible gratitude of like, how lucky, you know, like I wasn't thinking of retiring. I was playing, I was surviving. And I get this chance to, to work with people who I've known now for 30 years, which is amazing. And, you know, Bucci gave me this glimpse into broadcasting that, you know, again, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just the broadcaster or I was a player pretending I was a broadcaster. So he'd say something, we'd go, we'd be coming out of a commercial and he'd say, I'm going to ask you something about the avalanche. And I'd say, well, what are you going to ask me? He says, I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to think about the abs because he taught me to be prepared yeah. and to react to the question. And I tell you, I was terrified. I'm like, what's he going to ask me? <laughs> right. And, and, but it got, it helped me learn about preparation. And so working for, with those guys was just the best. I'll tell you one quick story. I'm playing for Atlanta and uh, no, I'm now in St. Louis, the end of my career. And Yuri Fisher was his giant defenseman and he's got me, there's a scrum and he's got me pinned up against the back of the net. I can't, I mean, I'm not getting out of there until Yuri decides I can leave, right? You know, I'm like, there's no way out. And Steve Eiserman skates behind and behind the net and he leans over and he goes, hey, Ray, why don't you analyze that? And then he kept on skating. And I was like, if I could get out of here, oh, I'd like to slash you, but I couldn't get out. So. That's great. And that was a great line. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, I, I didn't want to let you go. I didn't want to have an opportunity to talk to you and let you go without telling you. Uh, it does. It's well, At least awesome. for guys of a certain age, it holds a very special place in our hockey fandom. Those That era of NHL tonight with uh, a, a young chicken parm and Barry Melrose and John Butchergrass. Uh, again, nothing against the Bill Pito, Al Morgani years of NHL tonight that preceded it or anything that's come since, but great job. And you guys continue to agree. You and Sean have done a great job with the games this year and ESPN's coverage. So uh, keep up the great work, Ray. We appreciate you taking the time while you're traveling and we'll look forward to Saturday's game against the Bruins. Thanks a lot. I, uh... The importance of the games always makes it more fun to do what I do. Um, so Saturday's a big one, but I, I got to tell you, I just love doing what I'm doing. It's been 20 years and I can't believe it that I still get to do it. It's been, it's been awesome. It comes through in every game, man. We appreciate your coverage. Thank you much. Be well. All right. You too, Ray. Thanks again. Peace. Wonderful stuff from chicken parm, Ray Ferraro of ESPN, the pens against the Bruins. Uh, Saturday afternoon on ABC and ESPN Plus. And uh, one more game on ESPN, uh, ABC. That'll be uh, a week from Saturday, uh, Easter Saturday, as it were, uh, against the Red Wings. That won a primetime game at 8 Eastern. But uh, I'm glad we were able to touch on a number of different levels with Ray there. 
long-term vision for the Penguins. Maybe we're in the middle of not going over the cliff, but we're in the middle of the decline already. We, we just never see this group get back to where we hoped they could get back to. Uh, a, a zoomed-in focus on the Bruins and the Penguins this weekend as well, and whether the Penguins can do to Boston what they did to a very, uh, very deficient Predators team on Thursday night, and what they can do in some big spots against Jersey and Minnesota down the stretch as well. A chance to prove that Tristan Jari can be a playoff-caliber goaltender, a Stanley Cup-caliber goaltender in the playoffs in a couple of spots down the stretch here. And then also some league-wide issues as well. Sounds like uh, the World Cup is something that can and should happen. The question is just getting all of those different big block issues to fit together, as well as a playoff system that I thought really sounded very interesting from Ray. Um, Having the idea of one and two uh, guaranteeing themselves home ice through the first three rounds of the playoffs in the conference, and then three through six, not having to go through, I guess we would call it a play-in round, right? Best of three, seven through 10. Very NBA-like, right? Uh, That was good stuff from Ray as well. And obviously his career in broadcasting with ESPN, which has now come full circle to doing games with Sean McDonough after starting on NHL tonight with John Bouchergrass and Barry Melrose. All right, uh, Eric Tangrady had some previous engagements. He had to run. We're not going to be able to catch up with him for this episode, but we'll get him back on Monday. No worries. On Monday, we'll have the Bruins Flyers games to react to, and we'll be looking ahead to a big game out in Newark on Tuesday night. So we'll get Tango back in here on Monday. Coming up next, I put a bow on this thing, and we talk about what to look for in these Bruins and Flyers games Uh, as the Pens continue to build, continue to push, and try to stay ahead of Florida for that final spot in the Eastern Conference playoff race. It is Fifth Avenue Faceoff. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguin. Only on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show in Pittsburgh. Thanks again to Ray Ferraro for joining. Again, if you're kind of surfing in and out of the podcast or the video on YouTube, uh, Eric Tangrady had to bounce for today, but we will get him back into the fold on Monday. Um, Just some of, I I gave some of my reaction to Thursday night's game. Uh, the win over the Predators at PPG Paints Arena and how they played the kind of game they're going to have to play in the playoffs. That's the test now. I I think as we look at this team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, your Pittsburgh Penguins. Very poor imitation of PA announcer Ryan Mill there, a former boss of mine. Anyway, um, as we look ahead to the schedule, this is where we find out if they can do it and, and do it is very vague, right? And nebulous. Um, it is, I guess, tiered as well. Can they get into the playoffs? Can they, once they are in the playoffs, compete against the Bruins? Uh, presuming that's who they're going to get in the first round. I think it may be difficult unless the Islanders fall to pieces down the stretch here for them to catch New York for the seventh spot and then get, I don't know, Carolina or Jersey, question mark. Uh, as that race is still tight for the Metro division lead in the first round, but most likely it'll be the president's trophy winning Boston Bruins as they clinch that on Thursday night as well for the Penguins. Can they do it? Can, can they 
not just get into the playoffs. I'm using fingers if you're watching on YouTube. My thumb, the first tenant of this thing. Uh, can they get into the playoffs? Once they are there, can they then play the right way? And can playing the right way, i.e. boring, responsible playoff style hockey with high-level goaltending behind them, can that win a series? Those are the three levels there. Um, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins could play a, we'll call it perfect game. And I think Thursday was about as close to perfect as they can get outside of, again, the two power plays they gave up to Nashville in the first 20 minutes and a couple of, uh, a couple of prime scoring opportunities late, but Jari played well behind them. So they were to make up for that. They could play as close to a perfect game as possible. Uh, Six times against the Boston Bruins. I think they're probably only winning two of those games. So here's the catch. Even if they find their game, the right game down the stretch here, and the opportunity exists to do so with the Bruins on Saturday, uh, say what you will about the Flyers coming into town on Sunday, uh, but then the trip to Jersey on Tuesday and back home on Thursday against another playoff team in the wild. Yes, when you look at their final seven games, only three are against playoff teams. Those three that I just mentioned, Boston, Jersey, and Minnesota. But those are teams that you will have to play the right way to beat. And we know it's a crapshoot as far as their games against uh, the Flyers, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, and the Blue Jackets, because you never know what you're going to get. They gave up a 4 nothing lead to the Blue Jackets at one point this year and had to storm back to win. They gave up a 3 nothing lead to the Red Wings just last week and had to storm back to tie it before losing anyway. Um, they have been up and down, and they have not shown that they can play the right way for more than 60 minutes at a time. Heck, for more than 40 minutes at a time in many cases. Sometimes only 20 minutes at a time. Uh, if they can do that against the Bruins, the Devils, and the Wild, if they can put together 180 minutes of high-level hockey, you'll have a team that's not only going to get into the playoffs, and not only play the right way come playoff time, but we'll have an outside shot of pushing Boston to the limit. But I think that's as far as it goes. I think that's the conclusion I've come to between watching them Thursday night at the arena, uh, coming home, thinking about it, and then talking to multiple people, talking to uh, Rob Rossi from The Athletic, talking to Eric Tangrady uh, via text, even though we weren't able to get him on the pod today, uh, talking to Ray Ferraro, talking to our producer, Greg Finley, just uh, talking to my co-hosts on the Fan Morning Show, Doran Dickerson, Adam Crowley, and thinking about Colin Dunlap and uh, thinking about where this team goes once they get to the playoffs. It's, it's no more than the first round unless something major happens to Boston between now and then, or once the series starts. The best possible game from the Penguins over a matter of six or seven games against the Bruins, probably even if they play great, even if they play their perfect game, still probably only nets them two wins. Even if it gets them three wins out of those six games, what happens in game seven? Again, unless there's, and nobody wants to wish for injury, unless there's a major injury that takes a key component out of the lineup for the Bruins, I don't see how the Pens get past Boston even playing their best game for seven games maybe there's a little bit of magic left in there for 87, 71, and 58. But that's the conclusion I've come to that, hey, it doesn't mean I don't want them to go to the playoffs. 
I still want to get that opportunity because once you get there, who knows what the hell can happen, right? We've all seen it happen before. And to widen it out to the scope of sports in general, we've all seen that anything can happen, right? This is the weekend of the final four in college basketball and teams like Florida Atlantic and San Diego state are in it, right? We're just a year removed from the Cincinnati freaking Bengals being in a Super Bowl. Nobody saw them doing that in what was Joe Burrow's second year as quarterback. You never know what's going to happen in baseball once the playoffs start. You get a hot pitcher and a hot batter too. Anybody can end up in the World Series. So that happens in the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. You get hot at the right time. You figure some things out at just the right time. You catch an opponent who maybe has something unfortunate happen to them. Before you know it, you look up and you're four wins away from the Stanley Cup final, maybe. Or, again, more than likely, the Penguins could figure some things out. They could get into the playoffs, have to face the Boston Bruins, and do all the right things and push all the right buttons and still fall short. And unfortunately, I think that's what we're in for. Either way, as I mentioned, Another big week coming up. We will have on Monday two games to break down, the Bruins and the Flyers. Uh, We will get Tango, as I mentioned, back into the fold. Uh, Also looking to get some some voices from the opponents next week, New Jersey and Minnesota, in on the action, uh, both in Mondays and Wednesdays, as well as Friday's podcast next week as well. If you have not yet, inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, follow Fifth Avenue Faceoff. You'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available, uh, and you could go back and listen to old ones as well because they're not dated, really. I mean, some of the game breakdown stuff is, but if and nothing else, it gives you an opportunity uh, to go back and listen and look at it from a frame of reference of, oh, that's where they were a week ago or two weeks ago or a month and a half ago and fi- figure out just how far they have come or perhaps in some cases not come. Uh, if you get your podcast elsewhere outside of the Odyssey app, please subscribe, rate and review there as well. And uh, you can always send questions as well. Maybe we'll throw another Q&A at you within the final two weeks of the season. Another mailbag at the Chris Mack on Twitter is where you follow me. You can always leave questions there. Or email me, Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot Mac, M-A-C-K, at Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. We will do it again next week after we see how these Penguins do against the Bruins and the Flyers over the weekend. And we'll talk about it right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.